Hey everyone, before we get into today's talk, we just wanted to take a moment and say thanks. Thanks for listening and thank you for all your support. And if this is the first time you're hearing this podcast, we just want to let you know that we are a church that meets in the Greenville area in South Carolina. We are really passionate about faith, creativity, culture, and building community. Our heart is that this podcast brings added value to your life, as well as it helps you in your own journey of faith and understanding the human experience. And with that, let's get right to it. Amen. Had to take my shoes off, y'all, because it's about to get real. That was from Matthew 14, what they read for us. This incredible moment, this snapshot of Jesus's life and the power that he walked in. And I, I sat with that scripture at the beginning of the pandemic. It was like it just leapt out to me. And God said, I want you to sit here with this for a while. And as I sat with the verses for a while, you know, the stories are familiar, right? Stories of trauma, John the Baptist being beheaded. And then it gets a little peculiar. How are you multiplying food, Jesus? Okay, I really wonder what the, that bread tasted like. Okay, I'm like, was it a special kind of bread or did you make it regular? Come on, you got to give it an upgrade, right? I'm just, I'm just curious. But then he also went from the multiplying of food to the walking on water. I wanted that power. I see him go from trauma to miracle to phenomenon. Now, most times what we would think is the way to get to more power is more effort. But Jesus leveled up with the upside down. He went to more power through the gateway of rest. That's what today's message is on. I want to talk about the design, the disruption, and the delight of rest. Now, I'm, I might get a little bit into Sabbath, but we're not going to camp out there too long. I really want to talk about the principle of rest, okay? If you are somebody that is considering yourself to be a family member in studio, then I really want us to get this into our DNA. Because here we have ideas and, and we have a, a, a kind of a nature and a thing that we're trying to walk in to be creatives on this land that continue to emulate the creator aspect of God's nature. In order to do that... We can't be operating in burnout culture. We got to find a way to be countercultural. And this is massive, okay? Especially if we want to follow the ways of Jesus, we got to follow him in rest. Everything in society is telling us to do it differently. But Jesus has different solutions. These solutions that come from a different kingdom, a different government and has a different way, a different ethos, a different culture. When we abide in that, we get the benefits of that. I want to talk first about the design of rest. Now, in order for me to talk about the design of rest, I have to kind of go into this thing that I've, I've been unpacking for a couple years called the God Code. Okay, now, follow me. It's not like we can actually make a code for God, but this is me trying really hard to understand God's nature and equation and patterns, right? In the book of Genesis, you have all different types of things that God was creating, but I recognize that there is this pattern of connection throughout everything. I sometimes wonder if we really exist for connection and love is a vehicle that pulls us into oneness with God. You see there's five points of connection outlined for humanity in the book of Genesis. 
a connection to God as Adam and Eve woke up in the garden like, oh, I just know God is. They didn't know any other reality. He was woven throughout everything, including them. They also had a connection to themselves, right? Their true identity in God, because we as humanity are made in God's image. That means you can't really know who you are unless you know who God is. We are but mirrors of him. So there's a connection to self. There is also a connection to others. Y'all know the famous scripture, it's not good that man should be alone. Hello, everybody's like, let's go get married right now. <laughs> it wasn't just for marriage. Within Adam and Eve was the seed of community, it was the seed of humanity, that there would be people populating this earth that would also look like God, and we must have connection with each other. Then there's also a connection to the land or creation. This one, as Americans, we sometimes, um, we don't do so well with this one because we have more of a mindset of how do I make it productive? So we take more than we give to the earth. But there is a design that this earth was made for us. Don't you notice that we get all our vegetables from the earth? We get all our oxygen from the trees and we give it our carbon monoxide. There is a give and receive connected to the earth and that is by design of God. And there's also this connection to eternity. Now that one is more of a mystery to me. I am still unpacking this one, but I just know that there is a supremacy over time that is called eternity, which is why when we are done with this life, we will get a new body. We will step into a new reality that goes on and on and on in oneness with God. Now, here's the thing about God's design. God don't play. When he makes something, it is perfect. When he makes something, it is amazing. Woven within it is his very nature. He is an everlasting God. So God goes on and on and on and on and on. That is his pattern. And, and within God's design, there's reciprocity, the give and receive, the give and receive. Notice when we have trees, right? The trees produce fruit that produce seeds, that produce fruit, that produce trees, that produce fruit. Y'all get the picture. This is how he designs things. Now, this is what happens, though, when we disrupt his design or when we try to modify his design. We don't get to benefit the beauty that's woven into the design. I like to think that God's design is really where the higher nature of God's laws are described from. Sometimes when we think about laws, we think about rules. But when we talk about God's laws, it's greater than just rules, like the law of gravity. Is that a rule? Law of gravity is not a rule. It is a law, and it benefits us, okay? If we didn't have gravity, where would we be right now? <laughs> I don't know if you'd be on Pluto, if you'd be on Mars, if I'd be somewhere stuck someplace. Gravity is actually designed to help keep us here that we would, be, that we would reap the benefits of what God has designed for everything in this ecosystem to give us. God is sovereign. So when we try to modify his design, we don't get the benefits of it. There's no hacking God's design. Some of us have been trying to go through life hacking productivity and never resting. I honestly feel like some of you in here today are going to feel a weight come off your shoulders as you realize that the warfare, the weapons of warfare that you need in this season is not more intercession, is not more effort. It's going to be more rest. More rest. Because there's no hacking God's design. There's only surrendering to it. When we surrender to it, my goodness, it is designed to give us well-being and safety and protection because he's a good God. 
And when he designs things, he designs them with goodness in mind. Every single day he created, he said, it is good. It is very good. When he designed you, he said, it is good. When we rest, we partner with that goodness. Now, I want to talk about the God who rests, though. Because here's the thing about God's design. I heard uh, Dr. Miles Monroe, a teacher from the Bahamas, passed away several years ago, but he once said this, and it, it got me up in arms. He said, don't you know God is trapped by his word? I said, wait, God is trapped? No, God is the, the ruler of the universe, over the cosmos. He can't be trapped because he's, he's not a man that he should lie. So when he speaks something, it becomes a law. It is. He is the I am. Therefore, anything that comes out of his mouth, like a let there be, it is. And he becomes trapped by it. So I'm like, oh, he's pretty smart then. When he decides to make something, he knows it will be. Even when he created time in let there be, when he created the cosmos through let there be, even he himself rested. In Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed, excuse me, Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. God, the supreme one over everything, yielded himself to rest. Now, if God needs rest, how much more do we need rest? If he himself, who is supreme over all, says this is a part of design that even me, the God of the cosmos, will benefit from, how much more do we, the created? God reveals through this moment that it is necessary to the equation of creativity and productivity to rest. It's not the six days of creation and the one days of rest. It is the seven days of creation, meaning that rest is a part of the equation of creativity. We need rest. It's not optional. Now, I know that we love work because we need work too. We need to put our hands to something, right? And many of us, we're sent out. We're sent out to work. We're, we're, we are sent out to save souls. We are sent out to raise up our families. But some of us have never come back home to rest. Can't just be sent out. You got to come back home. I, I actually want to play a quick little video for y'all because I, I feel like this, this woman that I found on the internet is going to minister to your souls for some of you. Go lay down. Go oh, lay down. I'm about to go lay down. I'm about to go lay down. Look at your neighbor and say, Go lay down. Turn to your neighbor and say, Go lay down. Go. Sis. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Go lay down. Hey, go lay down. Go lay down. Yes, some of us need to go lay down. 
Next slide, please, because here's the thing. If you don't choose a day to rest, your body will choose it for you because it's woven into the design of everything. The same way we, were, we came from the dust, we will return to dust. If you don't rest, if you don't choose in to rest, rest will come knocking on your door. And it looks like sickness sometimes. And it looks like anxiety sometimes. It looks like panic attacks sometimes. But if we choose into, surrender into the design of God, my goodness, we reap the benefits. That's the design of rest. I wanna move into the next point which is disruption of rest. This is one of my favorites. Here's the reality that we're living in today with anxiety. According to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the United States, affecting around 40 million adults, almost one in five people. That's heavy. Researchers have found a higher prevalence of anxiety in wealthier economies. We would think they would actually be in the, the economies of poverty, but it, it, there's a little bit more stress and weight in wealthier economies. The American Psychiatric Association did a poll in 2017 and found millennials to be the most anxious generation. In 2018, they did another poll and the anxiety had increased 5% in one year. There's an impact from our industrial age, the former industrial age that we've experienced and our technological age. It is starting to show up in death to silence. We have noise everywhere. Noise on our phones, noise on our TV screens, noise when we're driving down the road and we just wanna blare that song. We don't know what silence even feels like anymore. We're in a constant hurry. Gotta get somewhere. There's a saying, you know, you move with purpose, but some of us are not moving with purpose anymore. We're moving with hurry. There's been increases of anxiety. There's been overstimulation. I'm wondering if all these extra diagnoses that we're seeing, the increase with ADD, ADHD, has it now started to enter into the bloodline from the overstimulation that we're experiencing? We're running from pain. We've all, a lot of people have lost a sense of themselves. Disassociation is on the incline. We're easily triggered. So then you, you throw yourself into a pandemic and a political unrest and racial unrest and my goodness, we have a perfect storm because we have the people who don't know how to rest. But here's the thing about rest in and of itself. It is disruptive to all of those forces that are trying to pull us into things that don't look like Jesus. It is disruptive to the kingdom of darkness. Here's a favorite quote of mine from a pastor named Lindsay Coyle, <laughs> prophet woman. She says, God is not in a hurry. You are. It's why you are tired. It's why you are anxious, stressed, and disappointed today. I pray that you surrender your timeline in favor of his peace. Trust that what was meant to be yours will be yours. I, I'd like to think that we're being shaped and molded by a lot of things that are happening in our world, and we live in one of the best countries on the planet, but there's always, to every good thing, a shadow side, right? To every good thing, like me, I have a strong leadership gift. You know the number one thing my mom used to tell me when I was growing up? You're not your brother's mother. Stop bossing him around. As a leader, my shadow side was poking through. It is okay to hold the two in tension. In fact, it's, it's necessary for us to be able to steward, to steward what God has given us and to steward being disciples of Jesus. In a more hyper-productive world, we get 
formed and molded into, I gotta have goals. And we wonder why we struggle with contentment. Because I have this particular height that I have to reach. And what I think is happening is we're building modern day babbles. And don't find God in a still moment. Because he's not in the tower. He's in the simple. He's in the still small voice. But we don't have time to meet him there. Not with our meetings and our schedules. Not with our goals and, and, and all of the different things that could pop up on your day. Not with the distractions. But rest is disruptive. I want to point out the fact that we were singing the song, I have decided to follow Jesus. We are disciples of Jesus. And so before we become disciples of a country, before we become disciples of someone else's ideology, we have to yield ourselves to be disciples of Jesus. What is a disciple? In the Greek word, it's mathetes. It means learner, student, pupil. The best word for it is apprentice, meaning as if there was a master of a craft, you, the apprentice, learn the master's craft, meaning you should be able to do what he can do by the time he's done teaching you. You don't just learn his good quotes, his highlight reel. You become shaped and molded into him. Now, in the Jewish tradition, Jesus, wasn't, well, Jesus was not the only person that had disciples. Even John the Baptist had disciples. Great rabbis had disciples. This was the, the particular culture that they, and custom that they walked in. You had to follow an actual leader to be a disciple. Jesus tells them, leave all of that. Come and follow me. We've got to leave old ways behind in order to be disciples of Jesus. You also had to believe what the leader believed. You had to learn their philosophy, learn their belief system, learn their mindset. Not just their highlight reel, not just their quotes, but you had to integrate it into your own psyche and your own heart system that you would believe it. Meaning anything that was less than what that leader was guiding you into, you had to divorce yourself from. We had to also practice what the leader is practicing. This is probably one of the weaker places sometimes within uh, Western Christianity because we get the like, yes, I'll follow Jesus. Ha! I'll say the prayer, right? And I will believe what he believes and I'll go out. I almost had a little black preach on. I don't know where it came from. It's my daddy's birthday. He's a preacher. Maybe that's where it came Hey! <laughs> we follow all those things, but then when it comes down to actual spiritual practices that we yield our lives to on a daily basis in the mundane, sometimes we don't look at that part. Rest is a spiritual practice. It is not just a good nap. <laughs> it is a force that is woven into you through practice. Because that's what apprentices do. They practice. They keep practicing and practicing and practicing and then they go to their, their master and they go, give me some feedback on this. Do I look like you yet? Does my work look like you yet? Rest is what Jesus constantly did. He didn't just rest once, he didn't just rest twice, he even made rhythms of rest. What were ways that Jesus rested? He practiced the Sabbath. Now, it is a popular kind of belief system in the church to go, he fulfilled Sabbath, so basically cut off Sabbath. Well, he also fulfilled the law that we shouldn't murder people and we don't go out here practicing that now. There is a reality that in him is the fulfillment of the law and we are now in him. So there should be a manifestation of that fulfillment in the way we live our lives. 
And practicing Sabbath is one of the ways that you can also incorporate the principle of rest in your life. What does that mean? It means to cease working, to rest, to celebrate. And it is a day of your week that you don't do any work. You actually allow your soul, your spirit, your mind to be at rest. The same way the God of the cosmos on the seventh day rested. But let's look at some other ways that Jesus also rested. He was in solitude, silence, stillness. Notice in the scripture that was read today, he went away to a desolate place. He was gone over there by, by himself. I wonder how many times the disciples were like, Jesus, where you been? <laughs> Jesus was an avid practicer of being alone. Some of us struggle with that part. I get it. I struggle with that part. I remember, and I may have shared this story with some of you all in foundations or other times, but at the beginning of the pandemic, I was the most restless I'd ever been in my entire life. And I was even struggling with like back and forth. Is God real? Yes, he's real tonight. Come on, you've seen all these miracles. Anybody ever been there? Am I the only one exposing myself? Sometimes you doubt. Jesus can hold it. I was struggling with all of that. And I remember the Lord told me, I want you to sell your desk and buy a chair. I said, excuse me, it's the beginning of the pandemic, okay? We, everything went remote. There, if there's any time I need a desk, it is now, <laughs> okay? He said, sell it. So I bought this nice little cute velvet chair. And he said, I want you to sit in stillness and in silence. I'm like, what in the world? I thought I was crazy. I sat there for, I kid y'all not, 30 seconds. I couldn't do it. I was bored. I was restless. The unrest in the world somehow was in me. And I was in complete silence in my room, yet I was in noise. There is a stirring in culture right now that a lot of us have been molded and shaped in, and the only way to choke it out is to operate counterculturally than it, which requires you to be in solitude, which requires you to be in stillness, which requires you to be in rest. While I was sitting in stillness one day on minute number two, <laughs> The Lord gave me a vision uh, spinning in a computer chair. And you know like those rides at a carnival, like Gravitron, you can't see anything. It's just like everything is blurry and it goes out of view because you're spinning so fast. And I got angry because I felt like God wasn't with me. I felt unsafe. I felt like I'm going to fly out of this chair and be injured. And I heard God say, stop spinning. So I put my foot down in this vision and I come to a, a halt. And there was Jesus looking at me like this. And he goes, I've been here the entire time. You were the one who was spinning. I learned that day what Psalms 46.10 actually means. Be still and know that I am God. See, stillness is a prerequisite to the knowing. We think knowledge is a prerequisite. We think study is a prerequisite. We think the great preacher in front of us is the prerequisite. No, stillness because he's in everything, woven throughout everything. So when you are still, you crash right into him. I was spinning. Every single doubt left my entire system in that moment. What other ways did Jesus rest? By prayer, by praying and being with the Father. And he didn't just do these things once or twice. He created rhythms of his life to live like this. As people who are apprentices of Jesus, we got to start working with some of these spiritual practices. As if we're learning how to mold clay. Jesus was a woodworker. What if he was teaching you how to make your life submit to the ways of the kingdom 
through solitude, through prayer, through being with the Father. There are forces out there that are trying to pull us into a different reality. Some of us are like, oh, you know, la la la, life is great. No, there are actual forces. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities. The ache that we woke up to today with the shooting that happened in Buffalo is a manifestation of the groaning in creation right now. These particular forces that have targets on image bearers' backs, that have targets on our psyches, on our belief systems, pulling us out of the current of God's love. If we don't get still, in order for that to become an inner reality, no great teaching or preaching will ever convince you of God's love. He wants you to taste and see that he is good personally. He prepares this meal for you personally. I'm wrapping up here. (laughs) I do wanna highlight a moment with Jesus. He was sleeping in the storm in one of the stories, and it's Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. I'm going to quickly read it here. It says, that day when evening came, because he was out in a boat with his disciples, and, and, and they were going about their ministry business. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. How that don't wake you up? A squall. I don't even know what that is, y'all. It just sounds chaotic, okay? A squall, okay? The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. There are four points of rest that I see in this passage. Rest at its lowest level, y'all, is an activity. Jesus was asleep doing an activity of rest, right? There are things that we can do that pulls us into an activity of rest. You can go for a walk. You can sit in your little chair in a corner like I had to do. You can, you can get into scripture in a very different way, turning off all your technology. There are activities that you can do that pulls you into rest, but that's the lowest level of rest. Even higher than that is a mindset of rest. It is adopting the belief system of heaven itself that makes every single anxious and worrying thought bow down. Anything that wants to compete with, uh, with, with rest inside of you, that you make it bow down, and that is a mindset of rest. That's a little bit higher than an activity of rest. Even higher than that is a state of being. Rest is a state of being. You can be at rest. This is when you got the activities down, when you have the mindset operating with inside of you, and your being is at rest. Jesus' being was at rest so much so that he, inside of himself, was no longer it or had no partnership with the storm outside of him. This storm was so chaotic, he could tell it was demonic. When we are at rest, we can even discern spiritually what is of God and what is not of God. Most times, attacks try to get us when we're in unrest. You can't even discern that you're in, a, in a, a specific season of attack because you're in unrest. Jesus, at rest, could look at the storm and rebuke it. He didn't just say, be still. Theologians look at that command for him to rebuke it, and it's the same phrase that he used when he called out unclean spirits. Yeah. 
he was able to see this is not just any old regular storm, it is demonic. And I cast down its assignment. And higher, the highest point of rest is rest as a person. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit himself. And the oneness that we've been brought into with rest himself is our inheritance. And we get to walk in that on a daily. So no matter what storm comes, we can sleep. No matter what storm comes, our mind doesn't go crazy. No matter what storm comes, I can be at rest and even look at that storm and rebuke it and cause it to be still. Rest is a weapon. Rest disrupts chaos. Rest disrupts doubt. Rest disrupts hopelessness. Rest disrupts trauma. Rest disrupts hatred and bigotry. Rest disrupts evil. Rest disrupts the lies of the enemy. Rest is a weapon in your hand. The world wants to tell you, if you rest, you are lazy. Anybody ever felt like that? That is this world's mindset. Rest is a part of God's divine equation. And in fact, when you rest, you are more productive. When the land rests, it gets its nutrients back and produces a higher crop because it's woven into the, into the design of everything. And lastly, there's a delight to rest. Here's the thing about about uh, the, the commandment of Sabbath. The, the, the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses, there was a commandment to have a Sabbath and to keep it holy. The word holy there, we actually add day on and call these days that we consecrate, set apart, put to the side and make it all real special, we call those holy days or holidays. Most of us don't think about Sabbath as a holiday. We think about Christmas as a holiday. Oh, it's a party, okay? Get the fried chicken, get the turkey, or get the cranberry sauce. Mama, you making that pie again, right? What if we thought about that every week? What if rest was some special day waiting to greet us, waiting to meet us, waiting to kiss us with refreshment, with delight, with restoration? Rest is not your burden, rest is your friend. This holy day is a day to cease working, to saturate in God's presence, and to celebrate life. Studies have been showing that as society has been moving more towards productivity and further away towards meaning, there's been more mental illnesses. When we stop to celebrate the meaning of life, having breath in our bodies, oh my gosh, it, it, you start to align yourself with the delight of God saying, it is good. It is good. In fact, it becomes your amen to him. You write it is good. It is so. I want to give a few tips and a little bit of homework because today was more of a teaching than a preaching. But there's a few tips for starting to incorporate rest into your life. Don't start at a 10. Most of us are like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to cut out everything and I'm just going to like go, go, go. No, 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 no. Start out where you are. That's why God told me, I want you to sell your desk and buy a chair, and you're going to sit there for five minutes. He put me on five minutes, y'all. I'm up to an hour now, and let me tell you, I'm still a student of this, okay? I, I have my days where I am not good at it, but I'm an apprentice. I keep practicing. Start where you're at. Start small. If you have family, incorporate things with your kids. There was a tip that someone had given uh, kids. They said, save some of the special treats for the day you rest. It will even teach them to look forward to meeting that treat later in the week. 
It will teach them that there's celebration coming. It will teach them that there's delight coming. Enjoy connection with good people. On Sabbath or on restful days, it's about going back to the God code. In fact, it is, it's a surrender into the God code that you can be connected with yourself, connected with God, connected with others, connected with the land, connected with eternity because you are not a slave to time. So feast with some friends, with some family. Worship and study God's word. You can rest uh, with silence and stillness and receive healing. Actually just listen for God to speak directly into the aches within your soul. Even take a nap. Did y'all know that the body needs catch-up sleep every week? And normally around the sixth or seventh day of you working, it will rob that catch-up sleep from you and you wonder why you're oversleeping? It's because your body's saying, I need extra rest. Take a little nap. I think the, the Jewish people take a Shabbat nap. It's glorious. I've had me a little nap on, on my Sabbaths. Make sure that you unplug from technology. It is trying to rule us. It is a great tool, but it must be kept in its proper place. There's a cool rule that I'm trying to incorporate in my life. It's called the 111 rule. Turn off your phone one hour a day, one day a week, one week a year. Ooh. 111 rule. And lastly, don't be afraid to go into solitude. There might be some things waiting for you there, but don't be, don't be afraid. I thought that I would be consumed by pain, and actually I felt more taken off my shoulders than was weighing down my soul. There's an African proverb that says, he who cannot rest cannot work. He who cannot let go cannot hold on. He who cannot find footing cannot go forward. Rest is a part of God's design for us. I had the homework up there on the screen, and I want to I, I wanna charge everyone with this. Because I know some of you all might be spinning. Some of you all might be feeling like, oh, it just seems like things are coming at me left and right. Some of us might be uh, in a space where look, we just don't understand why I moved all the way to Greenville. <laughs> not Greenville, Greenville. <laughs> and it's still not working out. We prayed about these particular expectations. Do you know you can have contentment even when the expectation has not been met? because it is God who satisfies our souls. It is God who brings a healing balm to the ache. It is God who kisses all the boo-boos away. So I want to challenge you. Pick two things from this list or add some of the other things that I talked about. Now, start where you are, so just pick a couple things and try to incorporate it into your week. Try to practice it, okay? It's not about perfection though, it's just about trying it on. As if you were going to a store and putting on some new shoes, a new, a new, some new clothes. The more you practice it, the more it becomes integrated into your being. Because we want to be shaped and molded into the image of God. And rest is a formative spiritual work that ends up making us be beings that look just like him. John Mark Comer said this quote. He said, rest is not you retreating from the world. It's you retreating for the world. When you become formed into his likeness, you come out loving stronger. You come out able to resist the storms. You come out in power, operating the same way Jesus did, leveling up from rest, not from effort. Please stand. I want to read this poem over, over those of you in here that might be weary. 
It is a poem about stillness, about rest. And I want you just to receive it, okay? This poem is not a performance. I want you to let the Spirit of God hit you right in your heart, in your soul. I feel like he is blessing the dreams that you have and he's blessing your families and blessing your life. But there are beautiful rhythms within the kingdom that if we were to yield ourselves to, we would get the beautiful benefits of what God has given us. In the stillness, he is listening. In the stillness, he is waiting. In the quiet, he is loving. In the quiet, he is embracing. Slow down the pitter-patter. Quiet down the chitter-chatter. In the doubt, he is present. In the worry, he is potent. In the pain, he is healing. In the fear, he is saving. Calm down the busy heart. Rest up the anxious parts. Rest is here to reset the system. Rest is here to teach you his rhythm. Rest is here to mend soul schisms. Rest is here to teach you his rhythm. Don't fight it, just dance. 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 God, I thank you for your beautiful design of rest. I thank you, God, that when you thought rest up, you thought us up. You knew exactly what we would need that would weave us into the very reciprocity of the cosmos that you designed. I speak life over every weary heart in this room. I speak hope into every hopeless heart in this room. I ask God for a unique grace in this season for us to be able to latch on to the spiritual practice of rest, that when the winds of the world and the spirit of the age tried to bring us into a different reality, that we would be able to reach up and pull down the superior reality, which says you are king and we are your kingdom's citizens. Therefore, we will walk in your ways. So give us a grace, Jesus, the great rabbi, to walk in the ways that you walked in, that we would look like you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's talk. For more information, you can always go to our website, which is studiogreenville.com, or check out our Instagram, which is studio.greenville, and you can follow along for all the latest happenings and updates. Other than that, have a great week, and we'll see you soon.